Welcome to Devs Advocate, where we talk to independent game developers about themselves and their games. My name is Eric. And my name is Anthony. And uh, today, we have a very special guest. Um, Alia has actually is a good friend of mine, and I've, uh, I'm thrilled to talk to her about uh, all the crazy uh, video game development adventures that she's been a part of. Uh, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited <laughs> I, to be here. I think you're the only game developer I know with a PhD. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know you could get a PhD in game dev. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can. It's it's not like, I mean, there's no game development uh, disciplines out there yet, um, but you can essentially defend a dissertation in game development from other adjacent disciplines like art history or communications. Okay, that makes sense. So do you want to just uh, do your best to give us like a Cliff Notes version of what it is that your uh, thesis was about and what it is that you're trying to convey with it? Mm -hmm. So my thesis was kind of trying to combine um, game development uh, with communication studies uh, because my uh, native department where I defended my dissertation is communication and culture. Um, slash digital media, because my committee was from both uh, departments. And uh, I guess I was trying to treat game development as a communication discipline, because um, in a way, I mean, all games are um, multimodal um, objects. Uh, Multimodality essentially is a study of how um, a media object conveys a meaning, for instance, you know, a media object can be really anything, but it's more and more uh, prevalent right now with uh, game, um, with games and electronic literature. Um, for instance, I mean, a, a multimodal object can be a newspaper. You know, you see a newspaper, you see text, you see images. It combines diff different ways of meaning making. So we call it a multimodal object. Um, mm. And games in that sense are multimodal objects because you encounter many different channels of meaning making, for instance, music, dialogue, visuals, the actual game mechanics. Um, so I guess in my dissertation, what I was trying to explore is the meaning making potential of games. Um, because um, games definitely employ different channels for meaning making, as, as I already mentioned. Like you can evoke very emotional feelings by with music, or mm -hmm. with with story, and how games achieve that. I was really interested in that. So this is what essentially my dissertation, in a nutshell, is about. I was trying to look at the games from the perspective of multimodal communications. Is this because you are a gamer, or and or a game developer? Uh, first and foremost, I would say I was interested in this topic because I was a gamer. Okay. I got into game development as I kept investigating. Um, actually, like I'll explain, I guess, my entryway. Um, before I decided to do my dissertation in game development, um, my primary discipline was English and literature. Mm -hmm. And how I got into games is that my ex-boyfriend at the time, he was heavily into games. Um, and I remember I I had an English exam the next day, like at 8 a.m., and my boyfriend convinced me to play uh, Dragon Age. 
<laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, you'll relax, you know, let's see how it is, you know, you love this game. And at first I was so skeptical, I'm like, oh, again, with your games. And uh, as I kept playing, I got into it more and more and actually got consumed in the, in, in the plot so much that um, it emotionally grabbed me. And things that happened in the games actually affected my emotional well-being by the time I was mm -hmm. done playing. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be spoiling the, the plot of the game itself, but there were a couple of strange things that happened inside of the game that sort of really confused me a lot. And I kind of, I, I was left affected by it for, for many, many days after. And I'm like, what, why is this happening? Like, why am I feeling this way? So I really wanted to investigate more of how this happens uh, in games. Um, so I guess I came from being just a gamer in a way uh, and gradually started getting involved more and more with development as I uh, kept investigating because a lot of what games do is connected with game mechanics and how games essentially are coded and how they're designed and the decisions that developers make along the way. So tell us a little bit about um, the defense because uh, I watched it <laughs> and those guys are like, I mean, I know it's their job, but they were trying to like rip you and your thesis apart, it seemed like. <laughs> um some tried and some were genuinely trying to push me to the kind of to exploring more of what maybe I didn't say in my dissertation. Mm. So, I mean, there was a, there was only one person that really tried to rip me apart and I actually did not expect that. Um others were kind of just trying to push me more to talk about things that I did not necessarily mention in my dissertation um and my defense. Uh, defense overall is a fairly stressful time because you essentially mm -hmm. have to condense your entire dissertation into a 15 minute presentation, um, and be very quick and concise about it and make sure that you put all the right points in it. Obviously the, the, uh, committee is supposed to read your dissertation beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um, but that summary that you probably watched in the very beginning of the dissertation, uh, sorry, defense. Uh, it's pretty much essential to your defense because you basically have 15 minutes to tell everything that they need to know about it. And they, right. then they're going to be grilling you with questions. <laughs> and you got to be ready to answer them, right? You got to... Yeah, yes, for sure. So I guess what I did not expect that uh, there was at least one committee member that kind of tried to fail me in a way because he really disagreed with my uh, angle and my sort of look uh, outlook on those things mm -hmm. which i mean i respect but like i mean the whole fact that someone tried to fail me or someone disagrees <laughs> with me doesn't make my dissertation any less valid so right uh but actually most of the committee members they were just trying to make me talk more about things that i did not mention for instance the intersectionality that is usually used in feminist theory mm -hmm. i did mention it in my dissertation but not from the perspective of feminist theory per se, because there's a lot of adjacent terms in game development and humanities. Um, for instance, multimodality for once, because it's used not only to describe 
human modes of communication, like actually speech, uh, gesture, posture, all those things. But multimodality is also used a lot in programming uh, because programming interfaces to, for instance, respond to speech, it is a multimodal discipline. Hmm. Um, so because there's a lot of adjacent terms in development and in humanities, there was a lot of confusion. There were a lot of questions, for instance, intersectionality, because as I mentioned, it is a feminist term, it does use, and it is used in feminist theory, but it is also term signifying intersectional properties of certain disciplines or studies. And that's not necessarily aligned to feminist theory. So I guess a lot of confusion and a lot of, um, and a lot of kind of maybe not really hostile, but more like critical treatment mm -hmm. came from, uh, terms, same terms, having different meanings in different disciplines. And my entire committee pretty much except one member were from humanities. Um, mm -hmm. I had only one applied developer on the committee. So yeah, hope that answers the question. <laughs> Yeah. I guess gaming as like a communication model, um, how, like, how should we as game developers think about, um, developing our game, not as like just, uh, a way to get to the end state of the game where it says you finished or, or whatever the end state is versus developing it as like a storytelling, you know, if I'm making a racing game, should I try to add storytelling in there? As you say, should I try to make the player feel X or do I just kind of leave that up to the player to interpret it? Uh, that's actually a very interesting question. Thank you for asking that. Um, because this is something that some of my students already asked me. Um, I used to teach web development in Seneca College. Um, and part of that web development course was dedicated to uh, interactive art and games as well, where we kind of made a little bit of a gaming project. And uh, I guess a lot of my students also sort of not necessarily agreed with me that games supposed to be about storytelling and communications. Um, by no means, I think that it's like gospel. Um, Definitely some uh, some developers and some programmers like games purely for the mechanics and uh, basically the, say what you mentioned, the games about racing. They not necessarily have to be about stories. Um, so I don't think that as a developer, you should be concerning yourself with putting more story into the games where you feel story is not necessary. But that being said, there definitely will be players that will be experiencing games from the perspective of story, regardless of that's of whether that story ended up in games or not. So it's definitely one of the aspects um, that some players cling to. Um, the it's not necessarily that you have to, um, I guess, work around your development principles. Basically, work around that and basically put story in your games if this is not basically how you operate. Um, right. But that being said, players definitely do experience games in more than one way, um, some players at least. So there definitely will be players that will be clinging to stories more than experience. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I was uh, watching the High Score uh, documentary on Netflix today. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen it. 
no, not me. It's it's just it's a multi-part uh, documentary series about the history of video games, and uh, they were interviewing somebody who was working on like the old uh, like Sega Genesis uh, Madden games and stuff, mm-hmm. and he started talking about like the story of a sports game, not in a literal narrative sense, but in a you know when you play it and that contest and just earning those points, that in itself tells a story, right? It's true. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I I would say it's more on a cultural level, though, in a way how games do affect society, um, which is definitely one of the layers uh, that I do talk about in my dissertation, because basically um, I kind of proposed uh, a certain game development model um, in my dissertation that has to do with both developing narrative inside of inside of the game as well as what happens to the games as they transcend um the the gameplay experience and become cultural objects um so what you say eric actually resonates um with me um in terms of like cultural transcendence because um even games without without any stories in them like racing car games or um um or invaders for instance uh they do have cultural trail and they do become part of our cultures and uh, and they basically start having their own stories of how this game you know originated what kind of cultural impact it made um which obviously doesn't have to do with whether this game had um any narrative in that game itself but yeah it's it definitely going to be resonating and it's it's going to become a story that sort of we culturally ourselves could you pull out something uh almost like as a piece of advice for indie devs specifically that you could say you know through the process of writing this and the games i developed these are the key key takeaways i got in terms of game development maybe like the path or the emotion or just the work ethic that you need to put in something like that mm-hmm uh, well, maybe my key points would not necessarily be, uh, you know, the kind of work that you have to put in a development. But um, I guess broadly, games are effective because um, they do involve a player participating in them and exploring games through interaction. Um, second point would be uh, games are cultural objects. Um, so... I mean, as developers, we usually design games with certain strategy in mind, but a lot of games become key elements to the culture and in a sense start having lives of their own, like books would or films would. Um, Thirdly, game meaning is composed not only by the developer, but also by the player. And in a way, um, as soon as the developer done developing a game, it can gain additional meaning and additional stories attached to it that are outside of the developer's control. So I guess those would be three key point takeaways that, you know, with with the third point that I would like to emphasize again, that the games are shared objects in a way that Mm -hmm. there's definitely a thing as as a developer's intent. But once the game is released, it's sort of in a control, under the control of a player, what kind of meaning to make out of this game. Yeah, otherwise it's completely pointless. You wouldn't write a game really for yourself. You want the people to enjoy it and to explore it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but also, for instance, um, I do know of a couple of 
just stories from game journalism where a developer did not intend his game to be or to be played or to be experienced in a certain way. But here were the players generating massive power attacks about the game in a way the developer didn't want them to. But, right. you know, we can't really do anything about games after they're being experienced by players and hmm. sort of transcend the, um, the developer's control. Yeah, that's been a bit of a struggle I find with a lot of developers is the whole um, when the players deviate from the developer's intent, but mm -hmm. but then you know that's how they end up having fun, and maybe that's even what makes the game popular in the first place. And you know, is there anything wrong with that, right? Like, um, I don't think there is anything wrong with it whatsoever, but I do know that some developers, for instance, try to mechanically, basically artificially to influence the game from the perspective of mechanics in order to restrict certain ways of how players can experience it. Case mm -hmm. in point, um, actually the first game that I seriously got into when I was 16 um, was World of Warcraft. I really dumped all my time into it for a very long time. I was, I was just going to say Blizzard is who you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> Um, and I remember, um, like I, my character was rogue and I remember back then you still could experience the game without really doing, well, I mean, not without doing quests, but, um, one of the kicks that I was getting out of the world of Warcraft is that I, I was completing almost all the quests in a stealth, stealth mode. Um, because back then you could still pickpocket NPCs for quest items. Um, no so in a way, instead of fighting monsters, I was pickpocketing them, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think I got to something like level 30 or something. So I, I done, I was doing it like persistently for a long time, but at some point this dynamic was like, this mechanic was sunsetted because it was not a valid way of experiencing a game. And like, I'm not sure if this was a right decision on the Blizzard's part, mm -hmm. but the, the, the truth is that developers do sometimes um, artificially tweak mechanics in order mm -hmm. to make the game suitable to their vision. Yeah, that comes back to the point you keep making about trying to make the player feel X rather than letting the player experience something genuine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so... Um... Let's get to know you, Alia, better. So, I mean, I know you. You're my good friend. Um, and I know how many different, you know, projects and endeavors you're always involved with, largely musical, but also, um, you know, all sorts of multimodal things. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. Well, first of all, you actually developed two games as counterparts to your dissertation, right? So yes. let's just talk about them for a little bit if... Uh, Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, as, as you know already, both games were developed um, in the course of my dissertation, sort of to prove some of my points that I was making in the dissertation itself. Um, that being said, though, um, obviously each game, uh, the Kadama and Cat game, were more representative of my interests and my creativity rather than me just uh, dryly trying to reiterate something mm. or prove something for my dissertation. Um, Kadama, uh, I guess the idea came to me when I was in, uh, in Tokyo, in Japan. Um, I was actually touring, um, because I'm a touring musician as well. 
and uh, I play with uh, like a dark wave project from UK called Attrition, and I perform with my solo project as well. So Kadama pretty much came to me when I was on tour, and I was, um, again, to my point that games are multimodal objects, I was inspired by the fusion of Japanese folklore, um, just the, the experience of being in Japan itself, as well as, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the band Alcest. They released an album called Kadama, inspired by Miyazaki cartoons, in turn. So, in a way, that fusion of combinations and experiences is what really, really inspired me to um, make Kadama happen. Plus, um, it was pre-COVID times, and I guess I was sort of... Um, Sorry, if my cat is disturbing. <laughs> is, is that a cat or a baby? <laughs> that is a cat. cat. Um, mm. So the experience of being in Japan itself um, sort of really inspired that, as well as, again, the, it was a pre-COVID time and kind of a lot of my peers and a lot of my supervisors kind of almost experienced that something is going to happen. They almost felt it in a way that, mm. you know, climate change started becoming more and more of a problem. And... Uh, uh, media was writing about it a lot. So it's almost like you feel that something is about to happen. You just don't know what. So I guess Kadama was partially inspired by that feeling of like something is about to happen. I just don't know what. And a lot of what Kadama is about is just being angry at the general state of humanity and what humans do. Um mm -hmm. So that's why I guess the character of Kadama itself is, is not human. Um, in Japanese folklore, Kadamas are kind of like dryads, um, but it's sort of a dryad that is directly responsible for the forests. Um, so in Japanese folklore, again, they had this superstition that if you cut to like if you basically cut forests for development right and if you destroy natural mm -hmm. resources that kadama will inevitably become angry and kadama mm -hmm. are the spirit protectors of the forest so um in my game i kind of try to turn the tables a little bit and it's essentially about this vengeful forest spirit that awakens at some point and realizes that humanity just gone too far and you know, trees are almost instinct, ex extinct, and um, Kadama is being awakened to take some kind of action. So, kind of in my game, I sort of encourage encourage the player to identify with the vengeful spirit of forest instead of humans, <laughs> because a lot of what Kadama does in games is like killing humans essentially in order to regrow the forests. So. Mm -hmm. Kind of intervening with um, with condo development projects, burning them, um, whacking them with a hammer, and it's all supposed to be kind of tongue in cheek and slapstick. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that's what Kadama is largely about. I mean, I enjoyed making it because I am I can be a very angry person sometimes, <laughs> and it definitely helped me to get over a lot of really so, weird pent up feelings about this so it's cathartic that way yeah i feel like i got to know you a little bit by playing that game <laughs> yeah and um i guess also by the end of the game um 
there's in a way no happy endings for humans and i sort of wanted to make <laughs> it very obvious um because essentially the only two game choices you have is to use help to get rid of the humans or to do it more manually and to get rid of the humans <laughs> so either way you get the same cutscene in the end with mm -hmm. like kadama feasting either by herself or with the with the pet uh, with the potted plant pet pet <laughs> and sort of celebrating the regrowing the forests whatever it might mean for humanity so um obviously i mean from the sounds of it it sounds like the theme of it was what kind of drove the development of it right which yeah makes sense but so how did that then um instruct the mechanics like for you as a developer how did you uh come up with the core mechanics based on wanting to convey the message that you did yeah um so as you mentioned it, it was definitely more storytelling driven process rather than me starting with mechanics and sort of mm. trying to uh, determine what would be best for the game mechanically in in that way actually it it i would acknowledge i do acknowledge that it taxed the game mechanics a bit for me because i was so much more interested in exploring the story of what's happening in the game and kadama being angry and just destroying humans rather than trying to brainstorm interesting mechanics for this to happen. So in a way, I guess it partially ties back to being slapstick. It's kind of like hack mm -hmm. and slash for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. There is not as much like persistent mechanics there as for instance in Cat Game, which is the second game that I developed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but in a way, I guess the game aspect in Kadama plays out in in the in the hacker slash way right it's it's basically right. i just wanted to gamify um i know it would sound bad but i wanted to gamify killing humans over a growing <laughs> forest so <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not homicidal in real life i swear um that's what games are for exactly yeah, keep it virtual yeah yeah, so um, in a way, there's not as many persistent mechanics as in the, in the other game. Yeah, because it, it was mostly storytelling driven. Uh, Kodama, like I felt really came from inside you, maybe. Like that's really how you felt. It the same, was it the same thing with Cat Game? You, you mentioned that this game felt right as you were developing it. So, I mean, what about it kind of felt right? Okay, um, what felt right? I mean, Cat Game is also, I guess, coming from a dark place, sort of like Kadama, except when Kadama was mostly about anger and frustration. Cat Game um, was mostly about um, delving deeper into those kind of like fairly dark um, topics, uh, more as a bystander rather than an active participant in it. So that's why the protagonist of a cat game is cat. And throughout the game, the cat doesn't fight because cats, well, they can't really fight a lot of things. I mean, they can fight raccoons and stuff, but for instance, against like against quintessentially gamey things like guns or anything, like they're pretty useless. <laughs> so I was, yeah. So I was basically trying to avoid fighting in that game mechanic completely. And in a way, it's more of a 
over electronic literature rather than the game. In, I mean, there's still some gaming mechanics there, but um, you're not fighting your enemies. You're kind of mostly exploring what happened. The idea behind the cat game is that the cat at some point wakes up in the apartment and realizes that um, it, like the cat's owner is gone and didn't leave the cat any food. And the cat's quest essentially is looking for food. And while the cat is looking for food, it's discovering a bunch of really dark things that, you know, happened with society because all humans are gone and cat doesn't understand why. And it's kind of, I mean, in a sense, cat is not really interested to seek out the mysteries of where the humans went. It's interested to get food. But, <laughs> but as a player, when you play from the perspective of cat, like I, I wanted to make sure that you can't help but wonder what actually happened, and you sort of discover mm -hmm. the story as you you're adventuring with a cat trying to find food. Uh, what's the status on the development of it, right? Because it's not, or at least the version that's available right now is not yet complete. Yes, it's not yet complete um, because there is there's two more zones that need development and. Mm -hmm there are still cutscenes that need development as well. And because cutscenes is a significant part of a game, it's mm -hmm. sort of not looking very complete without them. I would say there's probably about two to three months worth of work on it left. Um, and most of it is really just cleaning up and adding like additional subplots mm -hmm. that does not influence the main plot much. Um, as mm -hmm. well as just, you know, like, um, again, inserting those cutscenes, for instance, that mm -hmm. are not mechanically very significant, but still very significant to the player experience. Um, and I will be actually finishing it. Um, like, I will, I have plans of working on it um, next weekend and the weekend after that. Um, because I actually also have a bit of a talk for my PhD colleagues class about mm -hmm. cat game. And okay. Whether I want it or not, I have to like clean up some of the things that make players really confused, um, and just like remove the testing objects from the game, which mm -hmm. I just left there um, without kind of thinking about it twice. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, thankfully the the most of what I wanted to put in the game is already there. Now I just have to make sure to clean up the experience because um, obviously it does feed into the how player experiences the game and sort of um, mm -hmm. is pr probably not very, um, um, I guess it doesn't make the game look complete or as a complete text or piece of game literature kind of. Mm -hmm. Is there um, a motive behind this game? Like with Kodama, it's clear what you kind of wanted to convey. What did you want to convey with Cat Game? I guess I wanted to give more of a non-human perspective on how things are kind of screwed in a lot of sense, in a okay. lot of ways. So because Cat doesn't have any human interest at heart and it's sort of there by itself, just looking for food, doing its cat things, finding toys that range from an eye on a stick to like radioactive candies or something but basically it's a way of i guess putting a mirror against society 
to sort of show how a lot of things are really weird and really strange, um, especially that now the, that cat experiences them and sort of can pass judgment on it. Um, but also, this game actually started way before, um, way before pandemic and way before things escalated on many levels, including like political and you know with anti-masker protests. That like a pandemic definitely put that mirror on society, uh, even without mm-hmm. Cat Game being there. But Cat Game started even before all that happened. So. In a way, my supervisor, for instance, really tried to encourage me to finish it faster because for her, it was almost prophetic how mm. Cat Game sort of feeds into this whole experience that maybe of not really hopelessness in a way, but kind of I think that over pandemic, a lot of us realized that um, society is kind of a bit more torn uh, and more divided than we thought before. And a lot of things, you know, um, like, for instance, still rising prices on housing, even during the pandemic, mass evictions is just wrong. But it's still the mm-hmm. extension and continuation of capitalist system and just how capitalism operates. And a lot of, I guess, things that happen inside of Cat Game, from radioactive barbecue for workers to weird experiments in the labs, sort of albeit like it's very grotesque portrayal of of like issues that society is like subject is a subject to uh but it's sort of in a similar vein right that like so many things are profit driven Mm -hmm. that we sort of don't kind of stop and think about it yeah uh so i was gonna ask i don't even know if it needs to be asked anymore i was gonna ask like because both of both of these games um, were ob- obviously come from a very personal place, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so I was going to ask: Were they made to be experienced by other people? Which it sounds like they are. You know, it, it sounds like it's more than just a piece of art that you're creating for yourself. That it's something that you want people to experience, and maybe. Um, take away from some kind of a I don't want to say like a moral lesson but something to think about Mm -hmm. well I mean definitely games come from personal place um, Mm -hmm. but they came from personal places for a lot of game developers and Mm -hmm. some of those games do have stories other games don't have stories Right. Um, so in a way, it's definitely I, I treated it more, I guess, as a form of communication, like you would treat writing your music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also wanted the player to experience them and sort of feel them through, because I believe that interactive fiction and interactive media, including games, but also interactive art installations, it, it does have a bigger capacity for changing minds. Mm hmm. And I, I write about it in my dissertation as well. That um, actually a lot of people wrote papers on that, including um, um, G, who is he's a fairly prominent scholar uh, in game development. Um, basically, he talks more of the Assassin's Creed game in a way that when you put a player in a position where they have to experience how it is to be an assassin and hide and... Um, do certain things that are specific to that particular um, character, 
um, you can't help but sort of leave that character's experience and emphasize with them and sort of understand more what's happening and why it's happening and how do you how do you relate to different um, subplots within the game, knowing what you know, experiencing that character that you experience. Mm -hmm. So, in a way, definitely putting a player in a certain position to see whatever happens in the game from the perspective of Cat or eventual Forest Spirit, that was part of a goal. Um, mm -hmm. That being said, um, I do think that more story-driven games, as opposed to games that maybe combine story with a lot of mechanic mechanics and exciting mechanical, um, um, I guess, subplots and just the games that are pleasure to experience more would have much bigger reach than just simply mm -hmm. story-driven games. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, though, like there, there is definitely series of um, those more personal games, um, like Depression Quest, um, right. like the coming out game, where it's it's essentially mostly about queer experiences, but the game itself revolves around generating different stories of how your coming out can happen. You know, you can have supportive parents, mm. you can have non-supportive parents, you can have supportive friends or not supportive friends. And that would sort of shape partially your experience as a player. Mm -hmm. um, again, is this a game with exciting mechanics that is a pleasure to play and experience and replay? Um, perhaps. Um, but is it a game that sort of puts the player in a position of a character and makes them feel what the character feels and act in the best interest of the character? Yeah, for sure. Um, so you're not monetizing these games, right? Or do you plan to do that? Uh, I'm not monetizing monetizing these games. No. Right. So in, then, what are your ambitions with them? Um, I guess I just want them to be out there because they are partially part of my history with games and my experience in developing them. Mm -hmm. And partially, I think that they do have um, a bit of a critical potential as well. Mm hmm. Um, so I want just them to be there, to be played, and kind of to be there to represent different types of games. Um, but a lot of other games that I am sort of working on slash brainstorming currently, they probably will be monetized because they're more of a... They're less of a story-based games and more of an experience-based games. Mm -hmm. um, now that you're two games in plus all the games uh that i think you mentioned you kind of started stopped plus your dissertation um what is the process that you would say uh indie game developers specifically ones that are kind of starting for the first time should follow you asked the question should we start with the tile set or the characters is there any actual good path that you found or is it kind of just you do a little bit of everything at once and just see where it goes? Um, I don't think that there is one path that fits all, simply because different developers do develop games differently and they're inspired by different things. I would personally suggest looking into game development and game design uh, frameworks. Like I mentioned at least three of them in my dissertation and I developed another one, or actually I mentioned four of them and I developed like a fifth one. Um, okay. so definitely, I mean, maybe even not for following them to the T, it's just interesting to see 
what kind of frameworks are available to um, to organize the process of development better. That being said, I believe that not a single framework will really give you like a shortcut path to how to do this. So as much as it should be used more for familiarizing yourself with how different people formulated the approach to game development, you should still like run it by yourself and think whether it resonates with you or not. Um, that being said, like besides the game development framework that I formulated for uh, for just folks to explore and see if it sticks and it resonates, I also provided a few of different approaches of how people can, um, how game developers can uh, um, design their own approach around de developing games. And uh, so I suggested extrapolation as one of the strategies. Um, so basically, right. it's, it's when you say, uh, watch the movies that you like the most and see how they, for instance, approach dialogue and extrapolate from there and try to export as much as you see from the surrounding media into your own development process to export things that you like. Um, as well as um, research. Research is a, is a very big one. So if, if you're making games about, about any kind of scientific topics, Research is that tool that would give you definitely more uh, creativity as well as kind of trying to ground your games and limitations, which again, boosts creativity the end anyway, because limitations mm -hmm. drive better design. Um, when it comes to what you should approach first, tiles or music or anything, again, because we're developing games, like all developers work very differently. Um, having a good planning software, like, I use Jira a lot because right. this is, I guess, what I use for my main job. I'm a software developer. Um, so just having a very clean path of what you do and when, it really helps with development. Um, so organizing the approach that works for you, organizing it well, and breaking goals into smaller manageable tasks, probably the main takeaways that I would suggest to any developer. Other than that, mileage really varies um, depending on development style. I do know game developers that approach music first. I do know game developers mm -hmm. that approach music last. Um, but basically, regardless of how those different pieces fit into your narrative, having a consistent plan saves a lot of time. Yeah, I'm a big fan of ClickUp right now. It's really saves me a lot. Oh, ClickUp. I never heard of it, actually. I'm a Trello guy. <laughs> Uh, Trello. No, I've never used Trello. It's, this is the first like planning software I've used, and I don't know like what I was doing before. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. Not familiar. So you're working on some other stuff right now. I'm guessing um, you're not quite ready to make your game, like the upcoming games, public yet. Um, no, no, not quite. Not quite <laughs> okay. ready. Um, All right. Fair there enough. was there was one game that I was working on, but actually, yeah, that's the thing with my games. I really have to like filter them out in terms of the messages that I put out because sometimes it can be just angry. I can design a game and then I would be a little bit too sheepish to actually put it out there. Um, I'll give you an example. So I had collect three uh, collect three game um, where sort of the game premise was like, help the grumpy cat remove the trash. Um, and there was 
grumpy <laughs> cat with like a LGBTQ cappy on it. And part of the trash you were removing, for instance, like one of the one of the like collect three icons was uh, Trump's head. Oh, and I was like, going to say oh, Trump hat. Yeah, and you can collect three of them and remove them, kind of as a pass of a trash, as a as a part of a trash. And I'm like, this is too cheeky. I can't really put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enough. Yeah, so um, in a way, I guess I have to, I often end up with developing projects and then filtering them out because it's, you know, too inappropriate or too cheeky. And because I'm I'm an angry developer, so I, I develop things in anger and then I look at whether they're appropriate or not. Um, yeah, so not ready to say yet what I'm working on, but hopefully uh, soon I will be. And I'll, I'll keep you in mind to send you screenshots mm. or any demos if I have them. So I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, that's exciting. All right. So um, just as a last thing, just, uh, well, actually, you know what? Uh, like one of our, um, part of our mission for this podcast is uh, getting to know the developers. And you told us a lot about yourself as a developer, but um can you tell us a little bit about like what inspired you? I know you mentioned um, Dragon Age, right? Uh, but what are some of your other inspirations as a creative in general? Mm -hmm. So definitely Bioware games is a huge part um, behind my inspirations in general, because Bioware used to be known for very story-driven, very effective gameplays. Um, I mean, I haven't played Bioware games in a while, but some mm -hmm. of my friends did tell me that it kind of went downhill from there. Mm. I'm not sure. I haven't passed my judgment yet. Um, but but a lot of games like Dragon Age, Mass Effect. Mass Effect is a huge run for me. Um, in the past, um, I mean, my ex-boyfriend was really into um, Baldur's Gate. So he told me a lot mm -hmm. of sub-stories from that game, but I actually haven't played it myself. And it's more like he was really excited to talk about it. So I, I know a lot about the mm -hmm. game. I haven't played it myself. Um, what are you playing right now? Right now I'm playing Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what I think about it yet. But as soon as I'm ready, I'll, I'll probably jot a post about it or something. Um, yeah. So a lot of it is Bioware. Um, some of it is also like it would sound pretty weird but i i do play a lot of collect three games just for relaxation for instance when i feel stressed and i'm mm -hmm. taking a five minute work break like i play um either bejeweled or or something along the lines because it's actually my first mm -hmm. introduction to video games was on a very old weird russian computer i don't because i i'm from russia i was born there um so we had this game called lines where it's essentially a collect five, I think, uh, was mm -hmm. developed by like Russian programmers. And uh, in that game, you just collect the colorful balls. And it's just kind mm -hmm. of very hypnotizing and relaxing for me ever, ever since yeah. I first experienced it. So, yeah. No, no that makes sense. I'm, I'm the same way with Tetris. <laughs> yeah. I actually it's heard like... that Tetris, because when you play Tetris, like fitting things together occupies the same space and short-term memory that usually mm. trauma is occupying 
So basically, mm. Tretris is being used to uh, heal PTHD. Wow. PTSD, sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty promising. I'm kind of I'm kind of really curious where that research goes. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna read in read up on that. And yeah, lastly, like, uh, just is there anything um, else that you want to plug, um, gaming or otherwise? I know you recently released a single, Stop Go. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's sort of, I'm used to compartmentalize myself. Um, so I'm not only game developer, I'm also a musician. And actually, quite a couple of projects that I'm currently thinking about will be very connected to music um, mm. and the music that I release so in a way it's maybe going to be somewhere between a game and interactive album um, okay yep so i released music i recently released a single which um some folks that reviewed it find sort of reminiscent of early bjork um mm. um i think someone even said that it's kind of like what if bjork would sing for nine inch nails so, <laughs> if, you're, wow. if you're curious, check it out. Um, I will be also releasing more of an ambient, uh, some of the ambient stuff that I've um, uh, I've composed a few tracks, and I kind of just want to slowly portion them out and not dumping everything at the same time. So definitely, like if you want to follow me on Facebook, it's Alia Sinisija, um, and you can stay on top of everything in terms of like my music work as well as my game work because i i promote everything there um yeah other than that um i might be doing soon um kind of more of a film soundtrack for haksan i just recently got my twitch channel so i stream dj mixes there as well as maybe some of the you know like kind of semi-live performances um the Twitch channel is also under Alias Anesthesia, so by all means check it out. There's at least one DJ set there. Um, and if I will be playing or developing any games um, anytime soon, I will probably also put put some of that on Twitch. So win-win either way, you get some music or you get some more stuff, some hmm. more information about games. Very cool. Yay. Awesome. Yeah, we'll link to all of that in the description. Thank you. So, all right. I guess that's uh, that's it. Thank you so much for uh, talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I, st I still have a lot more questions, but maybe we'll get you back in. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, sure. I I'll be glad to be here. So this has been Dev's Advocate, where we talked with Alia Synesthesia. My name is Eric. And my name's Anthony. Take care, everyone.